Bald Men on Campus, a new ESPN podcast hosted by Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. These ESPN basketball personalities give you an all-access pass inside the world of college basketball, talking to the biggest names in the sport. That's Bald Men on Campus. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into another Daily Wager Extra podcast. I'm Doug Kazarian, joined like I am these Sunday nights slash Monday mornings with ESPN researcher extraordinaire Mackenzie Kramer. And uh, we're going to break down and react to week 11 and then look ahead to week 12 briefly. And uh, Mackenzie, another uh, weekend for the house and in large part because of underdogs and you got some outright winners in the uh, upset uh, police. I mean, Doug, we're, we're a broken record on this show. Every single week, we talk about the same three things, road teams, underdogs, and unders. This week, underdogs, seven and six against the spread, six and seven outright. They're now hitting 57% against the spread on the year. But road teams this week were the big story, 10 and three against the spread, eight and five outright. They're now five games above 500 outright on the season. It would just be the second time in the Super Bowl, in the sorry, since the 1970 merger, where road teams have a winning record. The other time was last season. So road teams would be the second straight year. They have an outright winning record and they're covering 59% on the season, which would be on track to be the best mark in the Super Bowl era. The previous record was 56% back in 2019. So you can see those trends where the last few years road teams have done very well, but this year, you know, 96, 67 and one ATS on the year. It doesn't get much better than that. Like I said, at the best mark in the Super Bowl era and unders this week, eight and five now 96, seven and one and two on the year. It's the sixth straight week. The majority of the games will go underneath the total. From a point spread perspective, the biggest upset was the Texans um, taking down the Titans in Nashville. Now we've just been waiting for this Titans team to run out of gas. They finally did. Uh, and it was the Texans of all teams to kind of surprise them. And they were in the favorite role. Titans were always always winning outright as a dog. Uh, other ones, that was obviously the big one, was the Colts behind five touchdowns from Jonathan Taylor. They get the blowout win at the Ralph, 41-15. And then we had a couple other upsets here and there. Nothing of, I mean, I guess the Cardinals winning at Seattle is pretty significant. Seahawks have looked terrible, 13 points total in the last two games. And their season's basically done. You wonder if they're going to shut Russell Wilson down at some point. but. Uh, we'll start with, um, you know, the Titans. Uh, that was interesting just from a point spread perspective, survivor pools as well. Um, and then the the Bills, the Bills, because they were the betting favorite, right? If I'm not mistaken, last week they were the betting favorite. That's correct. Yeah, they the were. Super Bowl. So that's that's the big one. And the AFC has been s- certainly shaky this year. And the Bills with the easiest schedule remaining or one of them, um, you know, did not get it done. We talked about it last week. Colts 30 to 1 to win the AFC. I thought it was a really solid play because they have that defense. Obviously, they're not going to catch the Titans in the division, but they have that defense. They have Taylor and uh, Carson Wentz and Frank Reich. Maybe you can get lightning in a bottle, get hot for a couple games. I thought that was a good play. Obviously, that number is going to move, but the week got started with the Patriots, and they've been the big story right now, especially in the AFC. Five straight wins and covers, 25 nothing against the Falcons. So that went according to plan. The line you, you were paying a tax on Thursday night for the Patriots, and that was never in doubt. And and now the Patriots are in first place in the AFC East, passing the Bills. A month ago, you could have gotten the Patriots 12-1 to 1 to win the AFC East. The Bills were minus wow. 2,000 at that point, and now the Patriots are in first place. I believe the Bills are still slight favorites uh, in that market, but you know they still have two more games left this season, including Monday Night Football in Week 13, so that'll be fascinating to see how those two games go. We saw the Colts run over the Bills. The You mentioned a lot of things with the Colts, the defense. You mentioned uh, the Frank Reich and all them, but to me, the biggest 
biggest thing with the Colts is the offensive line is finally healthy. They ran all over the Jets a couple weeks ago. They ran all over the Jaguars last week. Two pretty bad opponents, obviously. But, you know, the Bills obviously have one of the better defenses in the NFL. And, and Taylor with five touchdowns is going to be in the conversation for the number one overall pick in fantasy next year with Christian McCaffrey. Colts have now covered four straight as a dog. Bills now... Short week to get together. They go on the road against the Saints on Thanksgiving this week. Another team that's going to want to run the ball up and down them, but uh, they're pretty beat up on the line at running back. But big uh, results in the AFC East this weekend. Yeah, it's a good point about the Patriots. They're now, what, 7-4, and four, and the Bills are 6-4. and four. I- I'll say this. I can't. I don't have this tweet in front of me, but basically the, the, the six teams playing on Thanksgiving went 0-6 and were combined – outscored by like minus 82 points or something ridiculous. So all the teams that have to play Thanksgiving laid a giant egg this week. And I would love to know what this was like the previous X amount of years to kind of get some context on that. But uh, this Bills team has been shaky. It all, you know, really resonated for me when they lost 9-6 at Jacksonville, right? Like there's something off with this Bills team. Week one, they had trouble with the Steelers with T.J. Watt. You know, the, the next week the Steelers lose the Raiders, basically losing T.J. Watt the first quarter. So very different game, very different team. But this AFC has been pretty wide open, even with the Bills looking good as the favorite, and, and Josh Allen was the favorite for the MVP going into last weekend. Well, for a while with the Bills, we talked about what they did all year was they beat up on these bad teams. They beat the Dolphins 35 nothing. They beat the Texans 40 to nothing. They blew out Washington. They blew out Miami again. And we're talking about, are the Bills for real? Because all they're facing are these bad teams. And now they're not doing as well against the bad teams. Now, granted, the Colts aren't a bad team. The Colts, you know, they're, they're in the thick of the playoff race race right now. And uh, Jonathan Taylor, 20 to one to win the MVP right now. But I don't think I don't think I was that's just about to ask you about him. I, I think it's kind of laughable that people are pushing him now. Obviously, things can change between now and the end of the year, but I have to write my column for the futures market, Super Bowls, Super Bowl futures, MVP odds. I, I'm not buying Jonathan. A running back on a team that's not even in the playoff yet? Come on. Well, I think the argument for Taylor is that he would be the reason that they make the playoffs. But the, to your point, though, they're not going to win that division. They only have a 4% chance to win that division, according to FPI. They're two games back, already lost a tiebreaker with the Titans. So you're basically banking on a running back on a wildcard team to win the MVP, which doesn't look like a strong bet on paper. Now all the quarterbacks seem to either be getting hurt or getting or struggling a little bit. But again, it's it's hard to imagine a running back winning the award on a wildcard team, even though Taylor's run, rushing numbers are going to dominate. They're, they're going to blow away every other running back in the NFL. But to, but I, I can't see 20 to one as a bet that I want to get behind. Last 15 years, there's been one running back that was Adrian Peterson when he had his record-breaking year, and it was also coming off the ACL, and he's Adrian Peterson. Jonathan Taylor, not quite the household name that Peterson was at that point. I mean, this is all part of it, right? The narrative of where you play, and I just, I'm not buying it. And, you know, look, I've poo-pooed a few things that have come out to be like, dang, I wish I got a piece of that. So, I mean, I'm not the arbiter of every good bet there is in the futures market. I'm just, my personal opinion is I would not be betting on Jonathan Taylor right now, especially 20 to one, I would need 40 or 50 to one, but offensive player of the year, like that's, that's on the table. It's a really kind of strange uh, voting. If you look, just look at the past handful of winners, Cooper cup is an overwhelming favorite right now, but he may get injured. He gets injured every year. And um, I don't really know what to think, but let's keep it moving because we have a new betting favorite right now in the NFL. And it is drum roll, please. The Kansas city chiefs, just remarkable. Uh, they take care of the Cowboys. I was on Dallas. That Finally, the Chiefs kind of validated this run, right? Before, it was against the Raiders, who obviously are 
pretty uh, shaky right now. They barely beat the Packers with Jordan Love and then two missed field goals with Mason Crosby. Then they barely beat the Giants 20-17 to 17 on Monday night when the Giants were super band- banged up. So I said, let's pump the brakes. Now, Cowboys coming to Arrowhead. No Amari Cooper. C.D. Lamb gets banged up. So still some question marks, but the Chiefs looked pretty polished, except for some drops. Kelsey drop turned into a pick. They were sloppy at times. and That's been my concern with Kansas City. But the defense came to play against a banged up Dallas offense. It's the fourth straight opponent the Chiefs have held to 17 points or, or below this year. So this Chiefs defense, it pressured uh, Dak Prescott 16 times, five sacks in that game. I believe Chris Jones had three and a half sacks. If the Chiefs defense is going to play like this, we know what their offense is capable of. So I think they're very worthy of being a favorite or maybe even the favorite in the AFC. You mentioned that the Super Bowl favorites. I know they are in Vegas in New Jersey. The uh, the Buccaneers are still yep. our, our favorites. So it depends what market you're looking at. But, you know, the, the, the Chiefs, you could have gotten them plus 230 to win the division after week seven. They're still less than $2 to win that division with the Chargers uh, right behind them. But, uh, yeah, they're, the, they're, they're not the AFC favorites at plus 350. Dallas had been eight and two against the spread, uh, or they they dropped eight and two against the spread with that loss. But Patrick Mahomes, it was the first time in his career he has ever closed as less than a three point home favorite, and now in his career, when he's either an underdog or a favorite of less than three points, he's ten one and one against the spread in his career. Patrick Mahomes now tied as the fourth betting favorite at eight to one. The Caesars in New Jersey. It's funny we had a. Uh... John Murray, one of the odds makers in Las Vegas on the Daily Wager Extra podcast the other day. And they basically said there was some finger pointing and some questioning a couple of weeks ago when people were realizing they were offering Mahomes at 60 to 1 to win the MVP uh, about a month ago. So a um, little concerned at some books out there. So that could be something to uh, be alarmed if you are a, a certain odds maker or bookmaker at some of these houses and what the odds you now I grabbed five to one plus five fifty and six to one in the off season. So I am um, I'm a little concerned. Uh, I mean I'm not concerned, but I'm a psyched that I'm back in the race, but I just never got a piece of those big odds with Mahomes. Well, it brought her back in the race is all these other quarterbacks are getting hurt. Dak Prescott missed time. Kyler Murray missed time. Lamar Jackson yeah. missed the game. So that's really what's bringing him back in the race. He's, his, his stats have always kind of been there. The thing that's always bothered me is the interceptions. He's still got 11 interceptions this year. That's one uh, shy of the most in the NFL. Ryan Tannehill now has 12 after his four interception performance. So that's really the one thing holding Mahomes back is that interception count. Uh, but that was a nice win. Nice win for the Chiefs. We'll see moving forward. They're only minus $1.55 right now to win the division because the Chargers also held pace and they've won the earlier meeting at Arrowhead. So they'll get them at home later in the season. But what a game. 41-37 Chargers and Steelers Sunday night football. Pittsburgh's defense and offense has been pretty predictable. They go, what was it like? 16-16 with the Lions a week ago in terrible weather. But Steelers finally putting up some points and fluke plays as well. But the Chargers get the four-point win. Highest-scoring game of the day. Was it the highest-scoring game of the season? Um, I don't have that in front of me. I don't believe it was, though, but I'd have okay. to take a look at that. 78 points combined there. So, needless to say, that game went over. You mentioned Kyler Murray. Colt McCoy is now 2-1 and one as a starter with Arizona. One at San Fran and at Seattle. Loses at home to Carolina. Cardinals get the win 23-13 yesterday. This Seahawks team is, I mean, obviously done. But just a very, uh, very questionable offense in time. Russ missed some guys the entire first half, had guys open. They had to settle for field goals, and ultimately that burned them. The Raiders continue to stumble. Bengals 32-13 at the Big Al here in Las Vegas. 
And the Raiders, I mean, it's understandable. The human element, we've talked about it. Bengals with a sharp side that moved a little bit towards three uh, right before kickoff. And, you know, Raiders scored early, and then it was all Cincinnati. It kind of feels like their wheels are starting to fall off for the Raiders. We, we, they've had so much turmoil this Ten, season. Six at half, I should say that at least. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Bengals' offense wasn't even that great in this game. They only averaged 4.1 yards per play, but they went 8 for 16 on third down. They ran 23 more plays in that game, so it was hard for the Raiders in that one. Raiders have now lost three straight, didn't cover any of them. So, I mean, AFC this year, you can't put a fork in anybody, especially a team that, what are the Raiders? They're 5-5 uh, five and five right now, so they're still right in their mix, but the way they're pr- playing recently, it looks like uh, you might be able to stick a fork in them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ravens without Lamar Jackson do get the win at Soldier Field 16-13. So as advertised, Lamar Jackson had missed practice a couple days this week. Everyone kind of assuming he would play. But it's Tyler Huntley, the former Utah Ute quarterback, goes in and uh, does well enough. And Justin Fields leaves with an injury. Andy Dalton. So it looks like Dalton's going to start against uh, Tim Boyle uh, in a barn burner. The Lions go for their first win. That's the opening game on Thanksgiving Day. I mean, there's not really much to say about this Ravens-Bears team. This Ravens team really rarely covers as a favorite, and um, they've only had a few convincing wins Well, technically, year. they covered that game. They closed as so a one-point right. favorite. But the Ravens um, this year, they've, they've won seven games this year, and four of them at one point, they had a 10% or lower win probability during the game. And five of them, they had at least they had a five, 15% or lower win probability during, during, during the game. So they are pulling a lot of these wins out of the rear end this year. Truly remarkable. Eagles. Um, I wanted to tweet this, but I've got, I, I, like we do this uh, on Tuesday show last week. We said, what line stands out? I was like, to me, it's the Eagles. Like this team's pretty good. Are they good? I don't know. Uh, I read somewhere that, um, you know, they're not going to, they're going to be a favorite in every game until week 18. And that sounds crazy, but if that's what playing in the NFC East is like and the rest of their schedule, Jalen Hurts is what had the highest uh, QBR the last like six weeks or something like that. Ridiculous. So the Eagles are a machine right now. And the, the Eagles, is, I mean, you mentioned it. They have the easiest remaining schedule down the stretch. They play the Giants and the Jets the next two weeks. Then they're on by. Then it's Washington, the Giants, Washington again. And then the Cowboys in week 17. So the Cowboys have a couple game lead in that division. But the Eagles have an easy schedule. And Washington will also play the Cowboys twice this year. So, you know, the, the Cowboys should have that division on lockdown. But, you know, if they slip up down the stretch, there's a there's a chance they could potentially blow that. I'm still not totally sure what to think of the Eagles. They seem to have re- revamped their offense to revolve around the running game. They ran 50 times in this game. Yeah, they're running a ton. Yeah, that was their most rushes in the game since 1987. Um, the, the Saints, though, I mean, I this was the first time all year I didn't take them as an underdog. They had been 4-0 against the spread as an underdog. I wanted to see if Camaro were playing, but Camaro didn't play, so I didn't really, It's hard to trust a Trevor Simeon offense without both their starting so offensive bad. tackles without so bad. like they're, they're so banged up offensively. It's hard. It's hard to imagine they even put up that many points as they did, even though a lot of that was in garbage time, but uh, they really need to get healthy back on offense with Camara and Ramchick and Toronto Armstead. 
Dolphins get yet another win after the big upset on Thursday night football against the Ravens. They improved to four and seven. Jets with the Jets, two and eight. So the Mike White era had ended. It's the Joe Flacco era. Does not get the win. Um, not really much to talk about other than this is your team, the Jets. You probably know a little bit about this game. Uh, I mean, I don't really want to talk about this game next without all that much, to be honest with you. Uh, I will say this about the Dolphins, though. They're four and seven right now. Their next three games, they're going to be favored. They're a pick them right now against Carolina, and they're going to be favored in their next two after that. So they play the, uh, what is it, the Giants and the Jets at home right after that. So there's a chance that uh, they can uh, get back in the mix. I don't think the Dolphins are consistent enough to actually pull it off because their offensive line is probably the worst in the NFL. But, uh, as for the Jets, they're getting a full field goal in Houston next week. So that tells you how bad the Jets are. And, uh, the Jets and Texans, two of the three teams that haven't been favored all year. And uh, something's got to give. And the Texans are laying three in that one next week. So the Browns eke out a win against the Lions. I thought they'd pummel them. They didn't. They, they were dominating early, but just couldn't get the offense going. Baker Mayfield is just limited. It's just there's no other way to put it. He's not necessarily always accurate. Um, I like aspects of his game and he's probably a decent fit with this Cleveland team, but there's a ceiling to this Browns offense because of Baker Mayfield, but I survive in the circus survivor pool with Cleveland, get the W and the Lions get the cover, but still winless. Browns were 21% selected in the Circa, the most of any team out there. So congratulations on winning that one because the second most popular team was Tennessee, which lost. Mm -hmm. So you knocked out uh, some of the field right there, but, uh, Lions this year, six and one against the spread where they're getting at least four points and they're six and four against the spread overall this year. So even though the Lions have still yet to win a game they're they are cashing up the window. They've also gone under in seven of their last eight games now as they pretty much have decided to go back to 1982 football and just not throw the ball at all. But when you're starting a quarterback who had one touchdown and 13 interceptions in his career at UConn, you kind of understand that, especially uh, when he still might even be better than Jared Goff. <laughs> Well, I think Goff stinks, but I think he's a little better than Tim Boyle. Because I also true. think Goff's good for like three or two or three like awesome games where just every pass is perfect. But the problem is his stats over the years is terrible in cold weather. They're just awful. And obviously, when you play for the Rams in L.A., it's not that big of a deal. But when you go play for the Lions, who obviously have an indoor arena, but they have to go outside to other stadiums, that's not so good. And we saw that against the Steelers uh, a week ago. But. Game of the day. This is a game I watched start to finish. I had the under was my best bet. Did not get there, uh, but it was an excellent game. Vikings hand up, hang on and beat the Packers 34-31. And just an awesome game. It was vintage Rodgers and moments, but the Vikings responded. And uh, Patterson was excellent. Dalvin Cook was pretty solid. Just the defense wasn't that great on both sides. A lot of third and eights given up, things like that. Didn't hold them to field goals, touchdowns converted, but a really exciting game nonetheless. And every single Vikings game is exciting. Every Vikings game seems to come down to a Greg Joseph field goal at the end of the game, whether it's to tie it or to win it or something. But the Vikings have played nine games, 10 games this year. Nine of them decided by one score, five decided by three points or fewer. So, again, every Vikings game comes right down to the wire. They're now five and one against the spread as a dog this year. Packers, they had covered nine in a row. Uh, they're still yep. nine and two against the spread this year, but that nine game cover streak comes to an end. But uh, yeah, you're right. That that uh, I thought the Chiefs Cowboys on paper might be the game of the day, but uh, Minnesota Green Bay definitely usurped that. So that nine game cover streak for within a single season, what was that third highest all time tied for third highest tied for third highest in the Super Bowl era. There, there have been a lot of other nine game streaks, very few 10 game streaks. I believe it was the 92 Chargers and the 85 Patriots that had both exceeded yeah, uh, Pats, 10 in a row. What, 13 straight. Yeah, yeah I, yep, I don't have that in front of me, but it was, it was 13 and 14 Bears. for those two, I believe. 
Yeah, before getting smoked by the Bears in the Super Bowl. I went to one of those games. Uh, that was in L.A. They beat, they, won, they beat the Raiders in the playoff game. Uh, and little known fact, Trevor Maddich was playing in that game, I believe. I, we, I think we compared notes one day and we laughed. We had a good chuckle about that. Okay. Uh, Dog of the day gets there as a winner. For those who watch Sunday morning's show, Washington football team gets the win. Cam Newton's not that great. I just felt like lane three and a half was kind of silly, so I took the football team on the money line. They hold on. Ron Rivera beats his former quarterback. Pretty decent game, all things considered. Washington's been moving the ball the last couple of weeks. I was on Carolina in this game, which I kind of immediately regretted once I once I made the bet. I mean, a lot of that was based on Carolina's defense. I thought Carolina's defense showed a lot last week. Shaq Thompson returning. They looked really good, but Washington moved the ball all, all game against them. Washington's now won two straight, both as uh, underdogs after starting right. the year one and seven against the spread. Beat the t- beat Tampa Bay last week, and Cam Newton six and twelve against the spread as a favorite since 2018. And one of my favorite notes: his last seven starts as a favorite with Carolina, so excluding his time with New England, lost all seven. So wow. seven seven outright as a favorite his last seven starts with Carolina. And uh, I mentioned Washington's schedule early on, but their final five games this year are all going to be in that division, including two against the Cowboys. I don't think Washington has enough to challenge Dallas, but, you know, if they if they get hot, you never know. Well, with this extra uh, playoff game that was added, a playoff seed or playoff team, whatever you want to say, the numbers that was added a year ago, it makes things interesting. For example, the final game to discuss are the Niners. I think I've been wrong on every Niners game this year, but they're now five and five after a convincing win in Jacksonville. Kittle's back. Jimmy G's playing okay. They obviously had the big win over the Rams on Monday night. They're five and five. They're right there in the, at least in the hunt for the playoffs. And my favorite thing about the 49ers is that they started the game with a 20 play, 77 yard drive that ends in a field goal from the two yard line. <laughs> it's the second straight week. They, they, their opening drive lasts at least 11 minutes. But to that point, that's, that's been their formula recently. The last two games, they've averaged over 38 minutes time of possession, converting 54% on third down. Like that's, that's the 49ers game plan is run the ball, give the ball to Debo Samuel, all sorts of different ways and have him move the ball. But, Shanahan had been terrible as a favorite, but uh, improves to four and nine outright in his last 13 games as a favorite. And uh, 49ers right back in the playoff race. Well, that's where Shanahan gets creative on these long drives. Obviously, it's the running game, moving guys around. He, um, you know, goes back and forth. We think he's terrible and then he's great. And it's just kind of fun. Um, so really, all in all, more of the same, like we talked about at the top of the podcast, unders, dogs, road teams. And we had a Monday night football game tonight where Tom Brady has not covered ATS losses in 11 straight primetime games. I started this on the pod a year ago in the behind the bets pod era. And we used to laugh. We called it the Morty Seinfeld thing. And then we took it to daily wager and it's been a tongue in cheek joke, but you just wonder, um, I don't know if it's like sleep schedule, whatever, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's more of a tongue in cheek joke, but here we are bucks lane 11 at home coming off the outright loss as a double digit favorite. You mentioned against Washington. That was on the road a week ago. And this one's in prime time. They're laying 11. Giants getting a little healthier, especially on the offensive line and getting some of the weapons back. 50 might feel a little low tonight. Looks like Saquon should be back in the lineup for the Giants. That would give them a nice little boost, even though running backs don't really matter to the spread unless you're Christian McCaffrey. But you, you mentioned it, the Buccaneers with Tom Brady in primetime game is not great. 11 in a row they haven't covered. Brady's also two and six against the spread in his career against the Giants. His worst record against any opponent, obviously the two Super Bowl losses, including in there. And, but even last year, Tampa yep, Bay and the Giants night. played on uh, played in primetime and, and the Bucs uh, only won by two as a 12 and a half point favorite in that one. So I don't really look that much at the head to head matchups, but that's still pretty interesting that Brady, who has been so good against the spread in his career, is only two and six against the Giants. 
Uh, Brady Bucks are 15 and seven against the spread over the last five seasons, a double digit favorite. Excuse me. Brady is a 15 and seven. And uh, the Giants is a road dog recently. 19 and five ATS over the last four seasons. And Daniel Jones, 12 and five ATS is a road dog in his career. So a couple trends going Giants way. It's hard to uh, step in front of, of the Buccaneers train. But to me, this is a dog or pass situation. Yeah, we saw it on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago against the Chiefs where Daniel Jones covered as a dog. Now, Brady and the Bucs have struggled on the road. What are they? Winless ATS on the road. But at home, they've been much better. Although no Antonio Brown. The weapons that's been really limited and that defense is banged up for Tampa. So that's been the issue. It's not necessarily just the home road splits. It's been um, aligned where the home games are against quarterbacks that couldn't beat that secondary, whether it be Fields, Tua, it, or excuse me, Brissett was in that game. So I was backing the p- opponent of the Bucks several weeks, but I just couldn't get a real quarterback. Finally, Heineke can line him up. So it wasn't so much the venue. It was just that back end of the secondary was so susceptible and thin with injuries. They're getting a little healthier, but that was more the vulnerability. And then Brady losing some weapons like AB, although Godwin's, I think, slated to play tonight. Um, am, I, am I reading that correctly? Is that really what ended up going on? It, yeah, that, that all sounds right to me. I mean, Giants getting 11 and a half tonight. Uh, we already had one double digit upset this week with the Texans over the Titans. We've had four double digit upsets this season, which is as many as we had all of last year. And all four of those double digits upsets have come in the last three weeks. So but we've uh, we talked about it early, early in the season. First seven weeks, we didn't have a single upset of more than a mm-hmm. touchdown. And now uh, in the last four weeks, that's uh, <laughs> totally been flipped on its head. So it's it's been fun to see all these upsets. And we'll see if the Giants can get it done again uh, tonight. Quick look ahead to next week, including Thanksgiving, or specifically Thanksgiving. I mentioned those six teams that are playing all late eggs on Sunday. Lions are three-and-a-half-point dogs with Andy Dalton and the Bears in town. Obviously, Detroit trying to avoid going 0-16-1. This is one of those few opportunities they'll get to actually win a game. So that's the early game. you got the Cowboys banged up, but they're still laying seven against a Raiders team that is obviously um, in a tailspin, but you never know. Things can change. I believe the Raiders went into Dallas a couple years ago and won outright. And the Bills are four-point favorites at the Saints, but we don't know what to make of the Bills anymore. And, and you mentioned that all six of those teams coming off a loss, laying an egg last week. Cowboys one and nine against the spread last 10 years on Thanksgiving. So Cowboys have been a pretty rough bet on Thanksgiving recently. And the Saints are going to be home dogs against the Bills. Saints 10 and five outright as a home dog under Sean Payton, 12 and three against the spread. So uh, that's been a, a pretty profitable trend, even though we saw them lose as a dog this past week, but that wasn't at home. Survivor for those still alive in pools uh, for the entire week. Cowboys are the largest favorite at seven. Patriots now up to five and a half against the Titans. That's the game I'm circling just because New England's playing so well and the Titans are really limited without Derrick Henry. But Vrabel probably has a few tricks in his pocket for going up against Belichick, but a lot of one and three point spreads. It's a it's a tight week. So I wonder how it's all going to play out just from an ATS standpoint when you have all these short numbers, right? You don't have these huge favorites and teams laying eggs and playing down to their opponent. A lot of coin flip games, essentially, even, you know, when you think about it, a three, a three point, it's not a coin flip, but you know what I mean. They're going to be closely contested games. Well, as you know, I used to, I used to write the eliminator column for ESPN.com that this continued a couple weeks ago. Once, uh, once everybody starts getting knocked out of eliminator challenge, the people start re- stop reading the articles, but uh, <laughs> week 12 was always the week I circled as this is going to be the most difficult week on paper for most of the year. There wasn't a, t- a single team favored by more than four and a half, according to FPI. 
Uh, that's changed a little bit just because uh, the Raiders' recent struggles. So the FPI spread on that game is nine. So the Cowboys are the biggest favorites, according to that. 75% chance to win, followed by the Patriots at 67.5% over the Titans. The Patriots on paper would be the team that would stand out to me if you haven't, unless you've already used the, uh, unless you have the Cowboys available. But if you're in one of these pools like the Circa pool, you need to use a Thanksgiving pick and you need to use a uh, Sunday, Monday pick. So Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving, you might need to use two picks this week in that. So hopefully you have Dallas saved. If not, you yep. probably need to go pick a side in that Bears Lions game, probably the Bears and the and hope to survive. Yeah, I saved Cowboys all year for that one. Uh, real quick, I'm just going to throw it out there because the uh, legendary Mel Kuyper Jr. threw it out to me on Saturday morning on radio. Mac Jones, 301 to win MVP. Any thoughts? Uh, he's not going to win the MVP. So that's, that's my what thought. I said. I said, if, if, in all due respect, he's if, not winning. The bet on the Patriots, which is something you've talked about on the show in the past and on Daily Wager in the past, the Bill Belichick Coach of the Year bet, yeah. which mm-hmm. I haven't looked at what the updated odds are. But, you know, after the Titans loss, I thought Vrabel might have been the favorite last week. To me, it's, you know, Belichick and Kingsbury, probably the top two with Vrabel like a, ha- a half step behind them. So I haven't looked at those odds, but Belich- those Belichick futures have to be looking pretty strong there. Yeah, so I was on at the beginning of the season 18 to 1. I just felt like he would get all the credit for the narrative if they did well. They didn't have to win the division because last year Stefanski with an 11 win wildcard team, but still a wildcard team, one coach of the year. But I said, why pick do even money for the Patriots to go to the playoffs or plus 350 to win the division? Why not just do 18 to 1? Vrabel was the favorite a week ago. Now the Titans lose. Patriots keep rolling, but uh, Belichick was 12 to 1. So he's right then. And to your point, Kingsbury as well. And you wonder about the narrative, right? Is Kingsbury going to really get credit? I think he should because they've won two out of three games without Kyler Murray. It's all about the narratives. All these, all these uh, markets, right? All sports, all the voters. You know, it's all about the voters and the narrative. Belichick's going to get credit for that defense and even bringing Mac Jones along. Although Josh McDaniels, obviously, well-regarded um, offensive uh, mind in that regard. But Belichick is going to be part of that narrative. He's going to be right there. So right there, you could have gotten 12 to 1 a week ago. But Rabel, understandably, we'll just see what happens down the stretch without Derrick Henry. I mean, he is a focal point to the offense. But obviously, the Titans will have a better performance moving forward last week or this past weekend was just a total flat spot off those big, big, big wins. And back to All right, King- my man. Great. Back- What's that? I'm sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, and, and back to Kingsbury for a minute. I, I wonder if Kingsbury weren't like, you know, s- such a good looking pretty boy, if people would uh, <laughs> be more willing to vote for him. I wonder if that kind right, of less dismissive, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a narrative type thing. where like, oh, he's not that great of a coach. You know, he, he you know, he, he didn't win at Texas Tech. Like he's like, I, I feel like some of that kind of goes against them where people don't think he's that good of a coach, even though the Cardinals keep winning this year. And one other note in the Cardinals I wanted to get in, they're five and oh, straight up as a dog this week. This year, including that win over Seattle, all five wins by double digits. They're the first team in the Super Bowl era to win five straight games as an underdog, all by double digits within a single season. So that's one other note for uh, Kingsbury's uh, coach of the year case. Yeah, you know, you wonder if there's just resentment that he got the job. To your point, the good-looking guy getting the job when he wasn't even successful in college. But from his acumen standpoint, some of the creativity, I mean, just calling the Colt McCoy draw late in the game to help ice the game, get the first down, just a lot, and then they ran an option, or was that the Chiefs game? I get confused. Or no, Dallas may have run it. I don't know. But there was some incredible play calling yesterday, but some of these uh, offensive minds has been pretty awesome. Uh, the Vikings ran it, I believe, so not even close. And but- one last thing on the Cardinals, sorry, before uh, we go, but 
The Cardinals are nine to one to win the Super Bowl. FPI gives them a 20% chance to win the Super Bowl. So according to ESPN's football power index, the Cardinals are a pretty nice value at that nine to one. We give them a better than a 50% chance to get the one seed. So that's a pretty big step right there since the one seed is the only one that get a buy. So according to FPI, the Cardinals are a pretty nice Super Bowl value right now at nine to one. Well, and if you do bet at Caesars, and I don't know if other books have it, but a week ago I said the, you could bet on which division will produce the Super Bowl champ. I liked the NFC West at plus 425. Now, this was prior to the Rams losing again, but you got the Rams, the Cardinals, and now the Niners are 5-5. Five and five. Now, I don't think they're going to make a deep, deep run, but you never know if the defense can kind of get its act together. They certainly have uh, some pieces in place. So I liked the NFC West at plus 425, just given the uh, bullets and the gun it'll give you. But uh, great stuff as always, McKenzie. Really, really good research, really good analysis here. And uh, I know our listeners appreciate it as well. So we're going to have a uh, short week or or tweet schedule this week because of the the holiday. So Wednesday, we'll be taping the Daily Wager Extra podcast going into Thanksgiving holiday. And then obviously back to the regular uh, weekday pods and no Daily Wager all week because of Feast Week and all this other stuff on ESPN Networks and Busy Week. So our next TV show is next Sunday, actually, 9 a.m. Eastern. I'm actually off for the holiday, uh, but but the team will certainly... Uh, carry the torch just fine. So best of luck to everyone this week. Happy Thanksgiving. Travel safely if you are traveling. And uh, we'll see you back here Wednesday for the Daily Wager Extra podcast.